Welcome to Cracks in the Foundation with Tallulah Rose. So I came to the realization the other day that it's entirely possible that all of the art I've created is also a self-portrait. Because I can't step outside of my being to perceive my art. So all of my art is therefore an extension of my soul that gets perceived by the collective and also everyone's inner reality. So it's being perceived in almost three different realities. And in my particular reality, I can't know what it's like not to see a piece that I'm creating. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) I can't create something that I am not perceiving in myself. So everything by default must be a self-portrait for everyone almost. Just like the idea that everyone is a mirror for our self, for our self-worth, for our patterning. If I go up to someone and something they do pisses me off. That's probably reflecting something in myself and my subconscious. So I think art does the same thing where it's this physical existence of a two-way mirror into these different realities. Just kind of cool. I had this realization because I kept thinking about the difference in realities and how we all have to move through each one through art. I think that's the purpose of art, at least for me. I don't know. (laughs) I think I've created a graphic. I'm going to link it below, but I perceive four different realities. I call it um, a reality network. And there's also portals into other reality networks. But in this current reality network that I'm in, there's the spirit reality, the inner reality, the collective reality, and the fictional. So you can only perceive from the inner reality that is called the window of perception. But there is a direct bridge from spirit to your inner reality that, and those bridges are art. So there's a bridge from spirit to inner, and then there's a bridge from um, fictional to collective. And it always, I don't know, it just makes sense to me. One of the things, something happened to me that kind of triggered all of this, and I'll I'll share that story. Um, Have you ever been to a Renaissance fair? It's a great time, you know? Um, Medieval fuckery, I guess is what you can call it. (laughs) Everyone's dressed. There's fae running around and um, there's even, what was it called? It was like time traveling pirate day. I know that's not the right word. I just can't think of that word right now. I'm so sorry to that whole community if I just offended anyone. But anyway, um, my roommate at the time invited me to the Renaissance Fair in Los Angeles. I just perceived it as this medieval comic con, so I'm down, but I didn't know that you dress up as much, so I just used Esmeralda as inspiration. I was like, oh, I'll just wear one of my floral dresses that somehow work for medieval times, and I did a headscarf because I didn't want my scalp to burn because it was summer in LA and 
I don't know. If you've ever burned your scalp, it's regardless. Um, so I went to this medieval fair or Renaissance fair and I had no idea that there was going to be fae, time traveling pirates, again, sorry, um, people in full body paint. Everyone took on this medieval dialect. I didn't even try to speak. I think I was silent most of the day because I didn't want to mess up. Um, but not only did everyone adopt this dialect, everyone adopted this certain collective reality when they entered this space. So it's almost like we went through a portal into another version of collective reality. The sense of community and understanding these unspoken rules or and roles. So knights jousting on horses, everyone gathered around, people selling drinking horns and costumes and jesters performing on stage. I mean, even the trees were dressed up. They had this like crochet stuff, it was great. And yeah, my friend, well, my roommate wanted to go because the food stalls are amazing. Did I forget to say that it was summer in Los Angeles? Probably not. Um, but after walking around, so backtrack, she told me not to eat much before because the food stalls would be amazing. And after walking around, we get in line at the first stall. I think it's for funnel cakes or I don't know. And as I'm standing there, I start feeling that little prickle feeling of a heat stroke. And if you've never felt one, um, your hands start getting clammy and then you just start seeing like white or black dots forming the corners of your eyes. And I've fainted before, so I wasn't freaking out. Um, I freaked out the first time, but that's a different story. Um, so I touched her hand and I just go, just so you know, I'm about to faint. So I'm gonna go over there and sit. And thank goodness there was a like there was a bench right near the stall. So I just like slump over to it and she she's freaking out a little bit. And so she's calling for help. And then these poor <laughs> I felt bad for them because two men rock up with a fabric wheelchair. Um, probably because at a medieval fair, you don't want to offset the vibe or the ambiance. So they only had a wheelchair. There was no golf carts or anything. Um, so these two men had to push me um, for about 10 minutes to the first aid cart or tent, and they were taking turns pushing me. Um, I was a little embarrassed, but also felt strangely royal. And by this point, I'm in and out of consciousness, okay? My roommate's next to me, um, and I'm only somewhat aware, aware of what's going on. I can't even form sentences properly. So when we reached the tent, um, the first aid attendant got me onto a bed and brought it over an ice pack. Everything else after this felt like a hallucination. My roommate told me that he was flirting with me extremely hard, and I'm not mad about it, honestly. <laughs> like, it's a little weird, but regardless. I'm laying down, there's a wet towel on my head. I'm just like dead. I don't, I don't know. And apparently this man walks in next and he looks like what I can only describe as like softer Flynn Rider. I think he even had the whole outfit on, to be honest. He walks in and apparently as I'm unconscious still, he looks over at me and calls me a sleeping rose. 
and that a maiden such as myself was in need of a kiss of life. That was my roommate's words after. Um, (laughs) So I hear her cackling and I still have no idea what's going on. And then he told her that he would come back for me and then blew a kiss my way and disappeared. And I think about this still to this day. I really wish I was awake for that. I do. I feel like we would have hit it off. I don't know, but that's what I feel. So maybe 45 minutes pass, maybe less. I have no concept of time. And then another man walks in and he's with his friend that was unfortunately sick from alcohol and probably the heat and was laid down next to me. And so he's sitting there on the bed and just starts talking to me. I finally started like coming to a little bit. And the first thing I said to him, I just point at him. First thing I said since being conscious, you work at Disney. And it was right. So um, my intuition's awesome when I faint, but I finally had the energy to leave the tent. And then the first aid attendant sprayed me down so that the wet clothes would cool my body down. Um, At least that's what he told me. So I walked the rest of the fair dripping wet. And then when I got home that day, I couldn't stop writing about perception and these ideas of the different realities. Um, Never in my life had I been sought after so much when I was laying down on a table unconscious. Never. I'm seriously, I'm not mad about it, but it did make me realize how my energy shifts when I'm incapacitated. And before that, I was very much in fear of being perceived. The energy I think I put out was a bit like standoffish, and I knew I didn't want to be acknowledged. The explanation I came to was that the energy was released when I, um, I guess you could say, let my guard down. And another option I considered, the way I perceived transformed when I stepped into this new reality set in fiction, this new network of realities. And I mean that, by that I mean we were not in our normal reality, We're not in this normal collective existence, um, but instead we're in this distorted view of reality. I don't know if we're in a separate network or if we're just kind of blurring the lines between collective and fiction. Maybe I was perceived as this maiden in this other reality um, because of these new roles. And we all stepped in, that we all stepped into entering the fair, right? Maybe. If I go into Comic-Con, then I'll be perceived in a completely different way. Or if I go into other fictional collective realities, I'll be perceived completely different. I'm not sure. But then this made me realize all of these different realities that we're kind of moving through or perceiving continuously. Fiction and reality have always been a topic of constant analysis for me. I even took a philosophy class in college. No joke, it was called fiction versus reality. And that kind of just set my life on the path that I think I'm on, I'm I'm not sure. And I think about this all the time with art. I really want to pursue more mind bending art. Um, I'm still exploring and I think the pieces I'm making now are just kind of where I'm at emotionally and mentally. So I'm curious to see how that how my reality changes based on the things I create, which in turn, I guess you could say, are in the fictional world. But 
I don't even know where to identify that line between what is this word reality versus what can be segmented into what we classify as fiction. Um, can our perception of reality be segmented? And what does that even mean <laughs> as like a whole collective of society? When, I, when I've been talking about collective reality a lot, what I mean by that is this identified communal consciousness. So where we agree and adhere to certain beliefs, rules, laws, um, I perceive this to be where our systems live, like language, science, math, versus our inner reality, which is that inner monologue, that soul. And I think we perceive all the other realities from this point. Because I can't, and this is what I meant by thinking that all art is a self-portrait, I can't step outside of myself into your reality. As much as we, we can agree on this collective reality, um, like we can both say the earth is round, that's a collective reality, but for some people, it's not. And whether you agree or disagree, that's your own inner reality. That is something I can never perceive. Um, which always kind of, it frustrates me a little bit, but I understand it. <laughs> and I, I find it so fascinating how we all agree on certain things as a society, um, like the majority agrees on certain systems. I don't understand how we got to that point, but I think it's kind of just always lived there. Otherwise, how could we create that? Like, you can't create something from nothing, I think. Even art, like it exists in yourself. That's another reason why I think art is almost a self-portrait. Because what are you creating it from? It is from your own perception of the collective, the fictional, the spirit. It all starts there. So it has to move somewhere. And I think that's where it's going is like, it starts in your soul and then leaves and enters into the collective to be perceived and because it starts such deep within yourself, because it cannot be created from nothing, it has to be some kind of self-portrait. That's why I perceive art to live on these bridges between the realities, because I don't think art lives in any one reality. I think it lives in all of them and comes to us to be perceived and created from the inner. So yeah, I just see it art as this bridge between all of them and that's kind of why art exists in the first place but anyway back to <laughs> the different realities the fictional reality um, I perceive as this extension of the collective so it's set rules that we adhere to blah 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 um, from our physical existence so that includes worlds of Harry Potter Marvel Star Trek Star Wars and during and after this hallucinatory heat stroke that I had <laughs> I began to trying to figure out where this line is between what we perceive as reality and what we perceive as fiction. I mean, everyone at this fair, for people at Comic-Con, I assume, superhero fans, Harry Potter fanatics, all these people, our reality is still rooted in the existence of these fictional worlds. And by that, I mean, we perceive people based on their Hogwarts house. I mean, if I, find out I'm a Slytherin. I can take a quiz and find out if I'm a Slytherin or I don't know. I can't remember what the other ones are right now, but let's say I'm a Slytherin. Like I have personality traits attached to that house that you perceive me as because I'm that house, right? But it doesn't even exist. So why does it matter? Or your favorite superhero, like 
everyone knows who Superman is. So how can we say that he's fictional if we live life knowing who he is? We relate to people who are anime fans and like what their favorite anime is. And at this fair, these men were treating me like this maiden, like as if they were seeing me through this reality, not the other reality, not the collective reality we know, um, but this lens, but they were perceiving me through these fictional rules. With our, with technology, media, our fast paced culture, we no longer stay in our inner reality and instead project a distorted version into the collective, hoping someone will take it and reflect it back to us. I mean, we seek gurus, healers, personality tests, all to tell us who we are because we don't want to hold on to our sovereignty. Um, you just have to ask yourself, who am I? And yeah, the answer's right there. But we choose not to hold on to that, so we kind of push that away. So it's almost as if like we live our lives with our noses pressed up to that window of perception and pretend that's like all that we can perceive is the collective reality. There's no other realities. Um, I find it challenging to talk to people when when I'm debating something or we're talking about a larger topic and they only bring up personal experiences. And I like coming up with facts and talking bigger picture. And I've noticed that people who only speak on their personal experiences, not that they don't, but there seems to be a disconnect between their perception of their inner reality and, and collective. It's almost as if they believe that their inner reality is the collective reality. So it's kind of hard to like have discussions with people like that. Nothing against anyone that is going through that. Um, I just find it interesting how easily we can ignore that inner reality, even though that's the only place we're actually living in. Um, yeah. <laughs> and anyway, after I journaled about this and this idea of perception, I obviously decided that it was a great decision to start reading Norse shamanism. So I found this book by, I think her name's Evelyn Rizdick. And within that first chapter, she wrote about how this trance state, which you can say is meditation, that we know shamans to experience is not exclusive to shamans or was not exclusive to shamans. So this trance was available to everyone and used to better the survival of the tribe. And when the sun would go down, no one had lamps or phones. They didn't have anything to get them through the darkness. And I've never even considered that, like living in pure darkness when the sun goes down. I mean, I, I understand it consciously, but I've never thought about it, you know? But when I read that, it just kind of like hit me like, oh, this, this makes more sense now. <laughs> and they would gather around this fire and see images and messages from the spirit reality. So they lived in this coexistence with the spirit realm, separate from themselves, but with its own set of unspoken rules. And everyone agreed on it. So it was like this extension of collective, but it was very soul. It was <laughs> soul. No, it was very much in your inner reality as well. Like that's where it came to. It didn't live outside of you. So that's why I think the bridge comes to your inner reality directly from spirit. But over the years, we've kind of moved away from living with that spirit realm and transitioned into this fictional realm where we are perceiving more from the fictional realm than the spirit realm. 
So movies, TV shows, books, I believe that social media is exists in that fictional realm. But as a collective, we kind of lost that connection to this trance state. So it seems that this trance state has evolved and we are now going into that trance state when entering these fictional realities. So we live in this sort of coexistence with this fictional realm. Like I said, we know Superman isn't real, but we also live in an understanding of who Superman is, what his personality like is like, who he loves, um, kryptonite, like all of those things. And instead of connecting with spirit, we connect with stories of vampires or other fictional stories, like vampire diaries, I don't know. And instead of gods, we worship celebrities and we allow our Hogwarts house to showcase our personality. And we exist on this realm that of who would win in a Marvel hero fight, rather than focusing on internal dialogue and understanding our soul deeper and getting those messages from spirit. Because the way I perceive it is spirit is a direct connection to you. And to get to the fictional realm, you have to perceive the collective and then go from the collective into the fictional. So it's a very long way from your your main reality, right? So every time we go there, it's so addicting. We love it. We like I do this all the time. I binge watch anime like nobody's business. And I'll go into this fictional realm and I feel super satisfied and then I come out of it and I am I'm very depressed for days. And I it took me a while to realize like it's just because my soul wants that kind of connection with spirit, not fiction. As great as fiction is, and I'm not trying to bash it, I think when we only look at fiction and we don't look at it as a way, as a tool to uncover deeper insights into our self um, that benefits the collective, I think it's just this addicting loop that keeps us hungry for more because we're not actually being satisfied. We just perceive that we are. And specific to art, um, I've noticed that if I spend a very long time in fiction and the collective, I start trying to emulate what I perceive um, in my art, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I almost try to copy it as if this is the only way. And I think if we keep our nose pressed to that window of perception, then it becomes harder and harder to detach from those realities and understand that we are separate sovereign beings um, that are here to push the collective forward and put our own spin and our own, I want to say juices, but that sounds wrong. <laughs> put our own juices in that cup of the collective. I don't know. Um, pour into the collective our unique gifts and when we're so focused on all of the collective things and the fictional realities then it's harder to know what our unique gifts are and I always I don't remember who said it I, I heard somewhere I think it was philosophy I don't know but someone mentioned that um, celebrities are the new gods and that always stuck with me it really is like we put them above ourselves. We perceive them in a certain way. We want to be around them. We want to emulate them, which I mean, is that not what Greece did <laughs> with their gods? I know like if you had, if you were wealthy in Greece, you would spend all of your days working out so that you could 
look like the gods because that was the ultimate um, representation that you were godly yourself. I do also have a thing against philosophy. I mean, I love it so much, but I also, um, in my existence, and <laughs> yes, I did actually have all these thoughts while unconscious at the Renaissance Fair. I'm not lying about that. But <laughs> one of the things that I noticed was that in my existence with all of these different realities, I started understanding the the limitations of language because it lives in the collective. So there are parts of yourself that cannot be spoken. And that's my issue with philosophy is that we have these like philosophers say their philosophy in written word they and i'm having trouble now because and it just is a testament to how limiting language can be because you're trying to talk about these topics that are so enveloped in the inner reality that there's just always going to be something that is missed like i perceive my physical form as part of the collective in a way. And my inner reality is can only have the window of perception. It's the same thing with the collective reality. It's this window of perception. So there is always a disconnect. And there's something so innately human that everyone feels and experiences that cannot be put in language. And for philosophy, like that's the whole point, is to say what it is to be human. What makes me alive? What makes me a human being? And I don't think you can do it with language. <laughs> and I'm trying to now. So it's just, that's why I love philosophy too, because I feel like it's just a bunch of hypocrites and it's wonderful. I always encourage <laughs> philosophy. There's a podcast called Philosophize This that I just, ugh, I love it so much. But yeah, I've had all these thoughts at this Renaissance fair and then I started painting more and I realized that all of my art is just an extension of my soul which is kind of scary <laughs> and vulnerable but I I understand why painting is so addictive once artists begin painting um, it's almost like you can't step outside of your purpose like you're living it by painting and that is part of your identity which I think happens on a soul level. I don't think it happens in the collective, like what we're talking about and all this stuff. But yeah, I think all of my art is self-portrait. What I, <laughs> I literally just made a self-portrait, so that one definitely is. Um, but when I made that, I was this huge light bulb went off and I was like, this is what it is. Because I always felt like things kind of reminded me of me. I don't think that makes sense. Um, everything I created, there was something about it that was like, that feels like me a little bit. And I would get frustrated because I'm like, I don't want my art to look like me. I don't want my art to feel like me. But I think that's what makes art unique to the creator. I think that's how you create your style even. Um, and I think there's a distinction between art and art as a skill. Like I could draw and repu replicate things, but also so that's a skill. And then I think art comes from the soul. And I think you can't replicate that. So yeah, that <laughs> that was what I learned at a Renaissance fair. That and like medieval people are very horny, I guess is my other takeaway. I like to try to offer something like a takeaway. Otherwise I feel like podcasts are 
pointless. I don't know. I encourage you to... Well, I encourage you to sit with this um, idea of realities because it felt very heavy at first, but now the more I like draw it out and speak on it, the more it just makes sense for me at least. Um, so I'm very curious if it makes any lick of sense for you. Um, and I also encourage you to just like create a self-portrait. I mean, I literally just did my first one a, a week ago and I was putting it off for a while because I'm like, oh, that's so vain to like only paint yourself, but it felt so freeing. I don't know. It felt like an extension of myself and it opened up a new obsession through art. Um, in the portrait, I realized that there was this portal that was waiting to be opened because every time I meditate, I go into this um, this place that's the grass is really high and there's always this ladder up to the clouds. And I never understood why that ladder was there. Um, but as I was painting this, I was like, oh, this needs to be on it. And I painted that. And when I painted that, then this obsession with doors and portals started. <laughs> and now I can't stop drawing doors and everything I create. I'm like, oh, is this a portal? Oh, this might be a portal too. And now I'm just convinced that my art is portals and also bridges. So does art feel like a bridge or a portal to you, I guess? I feel like art always serves a purpose to invite new insights into you. And I feel like art can be a catalyst. There's a philosopher that talks about how art changes the world. I, oh, I don't know the name right now. I will look it up and talk about it next time <laughs> um, about my process. But yeah, I encourage you to... And it doesn't even have to be like a self-portrait where it's your face. It could be just the colors of you or write something that feels like you. Like even a sentence can be enough. But I encourage that and I will probably talk more about this. I feel like I talk about this every day <laughs> um, and try to work through it myself. And I also think all of my art resembles this. So... Um, thank you for listening if you got this far and I will talk to you next time.